Welcome to It's Always Day One. My name is George Reed, a former Amazonian turned Amazon consultant. Each week on the podcast, you're going to hear industry experts, brand owners, and Amazon employees share their answers to the basic yet fundamental questions you should be asking yourself about your Amazon business. Now, let's jump in. So today I'm going to do a deep dive into Amazon storefronts. We're going to look at why firstly we create a storefront. Secondly, we're then going to look at the macro and micro strategies to optimize a storefront. First and foremost then, let's kick in. Why do we actually want to create it? And again, as some of the other recent podcasts I've done, I'm just going to read off the script here. I've written this down, put some effort into it. So excuse me rattling this out a little bit quicker. First and foremost, Customers want to see more from you, from brands. So we create a website because we want a home for our customers to discover you and your product range. Also, though, to discover your why. Now, answering simple questions like why does this brand exist? Why should I not just buy from this brand, but more buy into this brand? And within my mountain strategy, I refer to what I call brand touch points. Every time a customer or a prospect interacts with your brand, it's a touch point, right? And you're responsible for building a connection with them with each of those touch points, invoking an emotion at each turn. Now, on Amazon, you've got two major touch points, which I've talked about a few times before on different podcasts. And the major, because they're the ones that are going to primarily drive the flywheel. Now, the flywheel is being driven by conversion rate and by volume, along with a number of other things. So your first touch-up point, your primary touch point, is always going to be the listing. And I've done an A-plus deep dive before, which goes into this and examines it further. The second big touch point, though, is the storefront. Now, I've put them in this order at the point of writing and the point of speaking, because most transactions at the moment are happening on the detail page, on the listing. Although we now can convert customers right on the store page, which we'll talk about later. So therefore, they're becoming a lot more important as we're able to do this. And this is down to storefronts driving conversion rates, which obviously drive orders up in value as well as order frequency up directly from the store, which in turn drives your flywheel pushing products up the sales rankings. As obviously your product rankings improve, you increase your organic visibility, you get more page views for those top keywords, your sales go work, um, go up, and that flywheel kind of kicks into action. So it's really valuable when it comes back to that first question, why create a storefront? Because if we optimize the storefront and we make it really, really strong, we optimize that touch point, it's going to have a direct impact on your product sales. Now, if we move on to how we can optimize a storefront, there are two different layers like I did with the A plus um, deep dive where we look at macro and micro strategies. First, we're going to look at the macro. As a rule of thumb, we want it to replicate the website. And when I say website, I mean your, your brand's website. Now, your storefront should feel very similar to it. When a customer lands and moves from Instagram to your website, for argument's sake, they know that it's your site. If they search on Google and find your website, they should immediately be able to find and see a similar tone to what they've got on the storefront. We're looking to make them basically same, same, but different. Um, And that comes from the tones that we use, um, the color schemes that we use, the fonts that we use, our um, overall kind of demeanor on that site. Everything needs to look and feel the same. This in turn is going to build trust. It removes some of the friction and it also adds legitimacy to you as a brand, which is particularly important as Amazon now and a number of large um, Chinese sellers are blowing up all these brands 
Um, Amazon are allowing these Chinese sellers to blow up loads of these brands, driving a lot of fake review scandals. And a lot of these brands that are coming out aren't actually proper brands. They're kind of fake brands, in my opinion, and they don't have websites. So I think there's a big follow-up now of a lot of customers leaving Amazon and checking out to see if they do have a website, then going back. Now, what we want is a really strong website, obviously, but we want a really strong storefront. So they're very parallel and they look one and the same. And that where we can essentially differentiate. So mimicking the other side is number one there. Second big point is navigation. And this is probably where I see most fail or just make no effort. In fact, I would say as a rule of thumb, most brands put very little effort into their storefront and it is such a wasted opportunity. So a common mistake is throwing all of your products onto one page. I see this far too often and it's the worst thing that you can possibly do because it's a terrible customer experience because we're not essentially helping our customers. It's like going to TK Maxx. I'm sorry if you work there or if this is um, a, a big kind of passion of yours going to TK Maxx. But what often happens is you've got loads of good stuff in there, but also mixed with loads of bad stuff. And it's not a fun experience kind of pulling apart these different things. And that's something we want to avoid, okay? And that's not necessary to say you sell poor stuff and you sell good stuff. It's just to say that we want to strive to make the customer experience as good and strong as possible. And this itself is a touch point and one that invokes more positive emotion than negative. Now, many of you perhaps have shopped with parents. Mothers, particularly mine, tend to be a bit more content with a bad experience when you go into a store. Whereas I know I've been with my dad in TK Maxx and he's just gone like this, I'm out of here because it's a not very good experience. It's painful for him just to find what he wants and separate stuff from it. He dislikes what he likes or doesn't need to what he needs, perhaps with less expletives. So you need to create a virtual shop assistant is the way I like to think about it. When a prospect lands on your page, you must be thinking, how can I make this easier for them? Okay. And that is a very good rule of thumb and working on your storefront over and over again to optimize that simplicity. Now, a good way to do this is mm-hmm. simply categorize. And you can categorize by all manner of things. But one way I like to think of um, is the different types of customers you've got coming on or coming to your page. Perhaps they're categorized by pain point or by problems. Ultimately, though, we're usually shopping because we've got a problem and are looking for a solution. So what common traits do your customers have right here? An example would be, you know, a dentist product. I should really know what category this is if we've just taken a new client in this niche. But let's say a dentist product brand may have prospects with bad breath as well as prospects with sensitive teeth. So these are two pain points. So what you'd look to do is direct storefront traffic accordingly, structuring that homepage. So on one level, you have pain points then beneath it, you stipulate bad breath and sensitive teeth. Now, you see how this immediately, therefore, makes the shopping experience more enhanced, a bit more buttery for your customers, because we're removing friction. Having this at the forefront of your mind when building a structure is obviously paramount to you having a really strong storefront. And we want the customers to essentially flow through the store, and they can do this by us kind of holding their hand. Also, I mentioned having different levels on the homepage, We could have a pain point on one level, but we could also have another filter level, such as age or product type. And this really depends, obviously, on your niche, but the key is to essentially have these levels wherever they may be. And you're not strictly narrowed down into one level. You could look to go kind of 
the demographics such as age, but you could also then go to product type and have two there just to make the whole experience a little bit more battery, like I said. The ultimate aim, though, is for the customer to enjoy that experience. So my mom, for instance, will wander around John Lewis for literally years because she likes the experience. Although more recently, she has said that she prefers Gerald's department store in Norwich, which I guess reinforces how we can always be better and always improve. Now, next macro point is education. Many brands assume it's obvious what the benefits of their product are, but that isn't always the case. So for answers, for example, with natural deodorant, you won't experience any benefit for the first three days. It will actually get worse. This is because your pores essentially are unblocking themselves during the first few days from when you've used other products. And this unblocking period isn't very nice, but it's necessary. Now, if a customer were to start using your um, product as a natural deodorant without knowing this, they'd think the product is pretty rubbish. Three days in, they'd probably never smelt so bad. But through education, we can negate this risk, risk, negate the risk, increasing the likelihood of a positive experience and helping our customers on their way to become brand advocates. Now, we want to dedicate content on our storefront to educate our customers, just as we do with A+, right? Therefore, very powerful by negating that risk and increasing the likelihood of a positive experience and increasing the likelihood of potential conversions as well. We can also educate our customers based on their pain points or problems. With pain points, we can refer them to solutions similar to how we do our detail page. But with storefronts, we've got a lot more flexibility, and that's how they're so powerful. We've got a lot more stuff we can do than what we can do with A+. We really want to be capitalizing. So an example of this would be we don't have videos at the moment on A+, unless you've got A+, Premium. But videos are great because they can educate essentially more efficiently than images. So ensuring you're including them for each product in your range, or for your range if one kind of video describes the whole process for instance let's say chair making and you explain how you make chairs differently because you use a certain type of wood then then that would go really well on the storefront because it's educating them on your process hey folks it's george here i'd like you to check out my new site georges.blog it's where you can find all of my famous weekly emails as well as how we can work together to repeat that's georges.blog now let's carry on with the episode Next step is emotion. As a rule of thumb, I talk about this a lot and it's always coming back to how do we invoke an emotion across every touch point that we have from the storefront of the listing to your customer service to your unboxing. It's always how do we invoke an emotion and the storefront is no different. We have an opportunity on the store to do this more so than kind of anywhere else in Amazon because of that flexibility I mentioned before. This ties back to the navigation piece as well, where I said the need to enjoy being on your page. The videos obviously are going to help with this. You can do an excellent job though with just really good graphics and a compelling story. So you can still work with graphics, save the money on the video. So it's not a kind of a must right there, but it obviously is going to help. Type of customers. Also discuss this slightly in navigator section, but let's go a little bit deeper. If we really think about the different customers you have and then create an experience accordingly. So Powerbar, for instance, in the UK have this set up on their storefront. They cater to cyclists and they also cater to runners. What they do is they segment up their visitors accordingly. They therefore have a sub page for each. They create content that speaks to a cyclist on one page and then to a runner on another. 
Now, the products are actually very similar on each of these pages, but the messaging and the education is quite different. How it's delivered is different, and how a cyclist can use those products is different in comparison to how a runner can. So educating them then comes into this play. And you can do this across a number of different things. So if we go back to our, our dentist brand, there may be three different types of um, toothpaste that could be suitable for them. And when we've sat on the um, you know the shelf and had a look at them, it can be quite difficult. One of the benefits of a digital experience is we can answer problems that the customer didn't necessarily know they had. Same goes here, helping them make that decision easier by doing the comparison and by segmenting them, like almost kind of doing a survey on your website where you go kind of what type of teeth do you have, how old are you, X, Y, Z, and you're navigating them around to a suitable product. Think about how you can do this with your um, with your storefront. Now, the why or the about, another big macro point. Every storefront should essentially have a why or an about page. Customers want to find out more about you. Robbing them of this is essentially a disservice in my mind. Telling them why, telling them your why, sorry, deepens your relationship from day one and increases the likelihood of conversions, advocates, higher lifetime value, amongst many other things. In addition to this, with Amazon rolling out brands left, right, and center, it's paramount that you differentiate by having a soul. And that's a term I've been using a lot recently. Same goes with your competition from China. You're unlikely to win on the price in the long term. It's going to get increasingly more competitive. And in my opinion, with the likes of Amazon China and aggregators, they're always going to win on price because of the depth of their pockets. Your advantage is your soul, is your why. And that's how you can differentiate. Final piece on the macro front is mobile. No surprise here, 24% of shoppers prefer to shop on mobile. This was from CPC strategy back in 2018, which is smaller than the 67% that prefer desktop. Admittedly, this is three years old, so we can imagine those figures are different. I imagine mobile is probably going up a little bit. But regardless, we can still assume that at least a quarter of customers prefer buying on mobile and do buy on mobile more. So we need to build a store with that in mind and always, as a good rule of thumb, start opening up your storefront on your mobile when you're in that creation process to see how it looks and feels, see how easy it is to navigate, see how educational it is if things are chopped off or resized or not able to be viewed properly. So coming up from the good forefront is a good starting point. But what also look to do is perhaps get your storefront in the hands of your customers if you can. See how they actually like to shop and see if they've got any pain points. So putting it to your Facebook group, your email list, your top customers who you may communicate more closely with. Getting it in their hands asking their opinions. Which is kind of another point on this. Now down to the micro strategies. So obviously we've had macro there, down to the micro. A plus subpage is what I've labeled this as. And essentially what I mean by this is you should treat each subpage like an A plus page. Now, I previously spoke about how to structure an A plus page. So I'm not going to try and repeat too much of the information. You can go listen to that podcast episode. But by following the same macro and micro guidelines as I outlined with the A plus on your storefront pages, you're going to create a really strong experience which obviously translates, as I mentioned, the why earlier on to high conversion rates and average order values. Now, it's certainly going to be an easier process here if you've got a smaller range as you create a subpage for each ASIN. Quite simple. As the range gets bigger, you may look to create one for each of your ranges or categories or may look to create sections which focus on top sellers 
um, and then um, new and up and coming products that you're excited about. Then for those top sellers, you can repurpose some of the A plus you've already got and look to put it in a different size on that top seller page. So we're still creating the A plus experience, um, but driving home those top sellers are also driving home those, those new products you want to get off the ground. Additionally, modules with the product benefits, features and lifestyle shops and obviously videos into the mix wherever possible, that's powerful. We want to be utilizing the different types of content we've got available to us. Okay. And now if you have less than 20 products, so I would be encouraging you to create kind of 20 sub pages in my opinion. It's obviously going to be a bit of work, but it's a really rich experience which compels the customer to essentially buy with fewer clicks. They don't need to visit your ASIN page to get that information. Additionally, it may also increase your conversion rate in comparison to the ASIN page because at the moment there is no competition on your store page. There are no ads running on your store page where there are ads and lots of competitors on your ASIN page. So if you pull some of that content from the A+, and the main image is over, we can compel them to buy with fewer clicks. Brilliant. So it's a fast conversion, but also drive the conversion rate up because we haven't got the competition. Additionally, within these sub-pages, I always reference kind of bookmarking it with a why. So why we exist at the end. So if they are landing on a sub-page and they're reading through that, you've got the why at the end. Perhaps that links back to your why page. As always, combine this with really rich and compelling content because that's also going to drive everything we're doing up. Which brings me nicely on to MicroStrategy here on videos. Now, we can have videos on this. Let's ensure we do. Videos convert at a much higher percentage. You can look at using, if you've got a big range, kind of bulk video tools where you essentially have moving images with text overlays. You can get a lot of that work kind of done for you. You can even upload them via Excel, etc. So give us a shout if you want some recommendations there. USPs, yep, ensuring we're bringing these to the forefront. The product benefits are putting onto those front and sub pages in a kind of A plus style piece of content. Don't leave these USPs for the listing. We want to be bringing them up the funnel essentially so you can aim to convert them a little bit earlier. No competition, I mentioned this before. There is at this point in time no competition in the storefront. It's great because it gives you an opportunity to drive the conversion rate. Um, if you've got enough product-related content there. I imagine this is probably going to change in the future. Wouldn't be surprised how aggressively Amazon are rolling out ad types if they come and actually roll something out on the storefront, which, again, it encourages us to never have a strong storefront. Problem-solving for different customers. As I mentioned earlier on, we want to categorize all the problems your customers face and create content that speaks specifically to that. So if they've got bad breath, perhaps you talk about what causes this issue and then what is the solution to this issue i.e. certain ingredients and then what products then work for you and that would be a classic example of how that could work final rule of thumb or second final rule of thumb is high quality content um, we want to be impeccable throughout really comes down to my opinion the investment you make in the process both from a time and money perspective now, I've been working a lot on the content piece recently, helping some brands out, and, if, and the results always come out really, really good if they're investing time and energy on their side into it. Now, if brand owners can't be bothered or kind of people who are responsible for this in the team can't be bothered to really invest time and effort in, the results are always a lot worse. So as an example, we now ask clients to fill out an onboarding form, essentially. It takes about 15 minutes. It's a bit of hard work. We ask for things like what they like, what they don't like, 
why they like and don't like things, um, brand palettes, all of these things. Like we really get nitty gritty. Some people rush through it. Some people give it more information and put a lot of thought into it, which always ends up creating for a much better and stronger result down the line than those who don't invest as much because we're not as aligned. The final piece, which is just kind of an add-on, is buyable modules. Also coming back to the point of we want that conversion to happen on the storefront because there's less competition. Sending them to the store, um, the detail page, gives uh, an opportunity for them not to be converted. So these buyable modules are essentially images where you have an option to click inside that image and basically pin things inside the image. So a really good way you can make this work is with lifestyle images. So an example would be a kitchen setup that looks brilliant. Then each item has a pin. So when you hover over the pin, you get some information, you get the outer basket. So what we're doing is we're selling them on that lifestyle image, future pacing them into a life right in front of them that they could technically experience. And then hopefully we're enjoying the benefits of them going, yes, I want to buy this whole experience. And you get the nice average order value up which is a powerful thing we want to be utilizing right now. Okay, folks, any questions on storefronts, give us a shout. Hopefully that's been beneficial. Hopefully it gives you some directions. Obviously, show notes has got the the transcript for this so you can read over it as well. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. Hey, guys, just a quick one. If you are enjoying the podcast and either have some actionable next steps or new ideas, I'd really appreciate if you could, one, subscribe to the show and leave us a review. These are really, really important to us, as you probably know, being in the Amazon world. And two, if you're looking for additional support with your brand, head over to the website. It's always dayone.co.uk, where we've got links to other resources. That's all for now, guys. Speak soon.